JG Nandra. Let's start with the Navkar Mantra. Namo Arihantanam, Namo Siddhanam, Namo Ayariyanam, Namo Ujjayanam, Namo Lue Savasahunam, Eso Panchanamokaro, Sava Pava Parasano, Mangala Lamcha Savasim, Paramam Have Mangala. There is a power in silence. The people who are quiet know something that you and I don't. And that is, there just isn't that much worth saying. But what us talkers may not know is that we are hurting our souls by talking so much. <coughs> For example, control over speech is a major, major part of ahimsa. A lot of us don't do any violence um, and we know about we should restrict our actions from causing violence. But I think for most of us, our violence comes from our speech. The majority of our violence comes from our speech. So we need to work on that. As you know, uh, ahimsa is nonviolence, and that includes violence of mind, speech, and body. So speech is a whole one-third of ahimsa. And I think people don't understand that enough and they don't understand that violence of the mind is possible or it's that it's is also a full one-third of ahimsa mm. we just think actions are like 90 percent of ahimsa and we congratulate ourselves for being good people because we don't perform actions with our uh we don't perform violence with our actions right but we forget about well 66 percent of ahimsa we're forgetting about Violence with speech and violence with thoughts. Uh, so we might be corrupting ourselves. As you know, when you perform violent speech, you attract karma to your soul and that corrupts your soul. And so, in fact, uh, non-lying is one of the five major vows, right? The five major vows are Ahimsa, non-violence, non-lying, non-stealing, non-attachment, and certain forms of celibacy, right? So, non-lying is a full one-fifth. It's one-third of Ahimsa, and it's one-fifth of the five major vows, right? And so, I think that's where a major source of our karma comes from, which is why I wanted to talk about it today. So, non-lying is not just not telling a lie. The concept of non-lying, of the vow we take, are... Renunciation of all vices of false speech arising from anger, greed, fear, or mirth. So now, can you say you're not doing that? Sure, you may not lie one day, but are you talking in anger? Are you talking with mirth? Are you talking with fear? I think the answer is yes. I think right. you have probably done that today. It's still the morning. Hey, mother. Hi, sir. Hey. Hey. How you doing? Good, good. We're talking about the power of silence today. Okay. <clears throat> hey, here. welcome in. We're talking about the power of silence. We talked about uh, silence is one-third of ahimsa, which of course is control over mind, body, and speech. And it's one-fifth of the five vows, which are non-violence, non-lying, non-stealing, non-attachment, and certain forms of celibacy. So it's a pretty big deal. Um, so non-lying is not just not lying, it's renunciation of false speech from anger, greed, fear, or mirth. So if you talk in anger, you're in violation of this non-lying. 
even if it's the truth. If you make a joke, you're in violation of this non-lying, right? Even if it's not hurting anybody. One should not lie, say a lie out of attachment or hatred. However, it is justified to lie to prevent violence. So, ahimsa trumps non-lying. It is justified to lie if you're going to hurt another being, or if silence would be the better option, or if the hunter asked you which way the deer went, it's okay to point them in the wrong direction. The book says there are four types of lying. Denying the existence of a thing with reference to its position, time, and nature when it actually exists. Assertion of the existence of a thing with reference of to its with reference to its position, time, and nature when it does not exist. That's a lie. When you represent something to be different than what it is, that's a lie. And when speech is condemnable, sinful, and disagreeable, that's a lie. So when we say, oh, non-lying, and we congratulate ourselves on being great people, I don't think we're abiding by the spirit of the rules, right? Because any speech actuated by passion is false. Even if that passion is good. <clears throat> if you talk with passion, if it's motivated by an emotion, then it's false. Then you're in violation of this non-lying. So, harsh and unethical speech is utterly disproved. Speech which provokes another to engage in injury or destruction is uh, sinful. Disagreeable speech causing uneasiness, pain, hostility, grief, anguish to another person is in violation of non-lying. So, questions or comments about that? So, we probably broke this vow before... We got up today, right? I mean, what did you do this morning? Did you have any speech that was motivated by a passion today? Mine was with anger. Right? What yeah. happened this morning? <clears throat> the kids were just taking forever to eat right. their breakfast. Right? right. Come on, we have to go. Right? So, and again, it's, uh, you know, thinking about it, it's so deep that, you know, at every step or anything that I think I do has something to do with what you just talked about. Right. You know, um, now you need to give us how to get rid of it. Yes. <laughs> how to minimize it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we will definitely do that. Sorry, hey, come on in. No problem. We're talking about the power of silence today. Oh, right. That's why everybody's silent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how is the passion considered as being grouped in one of that item because you know we all know that anything that we deliver things with the passion will have always better impact um even marasa if you listen to the lectures but there are certain elements when they speak with such a passion of convincing people and people actually understand more and i don't think in that sense i'm getting that part you're right because that's an exception that the book says uh, when a saint or preceptor gives sound advice against vices or questionable habits of life, 
He cannot be said to indulge in false speech, even though the person affected may feel ashamed or uncomfortable. Okay. So they give themselves an exception. <laughs> so you have to, yeah, you heard the asterisk on it. You didn't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the diplomatic immunity. So, so I'm, no, telling you, I'm telling you that when you talk and you hurt people's feelings, that's violence. But when a saint yeah, talks say. and hurts your feelings because he's telling you to live your life better, that's not violence. <laughs> No, hurting feeling is one thing, but if you talk with a person, uh, you know, Guru Bhagavan do that, uh, that is not violence, but if we do, even with a person, without hurting the feelings, that's also violence? Yes. Whenever you talk with passion, you're more likely to be talking with the purpose other than the purpose of your life. So what's the purpose of your life? Go to moksha. Right. And how do we do that? Get rid of our karma. Samvara and Nirjara, right? We block the karma that's coming in and we perform Nirjara to do those things. <clears throat> so I would probably guarantee you, you could not give me any scenario where your talk is motivated by any kind of passion and that would be in furtherance of your goals. It's actually probably in furtherance of something else. So... Try, try your best. Let's see if we can come up with an exception. Where can you talk motivated by passion? And that's uh, in furtherance of the goals of your life. How about saying something to yourself with passion, not to others? Telling yourself what is important for you, why you're doing it, why it's critical, you must do it. I don't think any of the non-lying refers to talking to oneself. Okay. I think it I think it presupposes that there are at least two people in these scenarios. How about your teeth? Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> that's or a big one. Is... That's the source of most of our violence, I think. <laughs> most of our violence regarding speech, right? Um, but showing him passion to go to temple, what do you do there? Right. You can speak without emotion, right? You can speak without, um, without a kind of harshness in your words, or you can lay out the facts as you know them. And wouldn't that be better than speaking from, with the passion? But wouldn't that work? after certain age of the kid mm -hmm. where he can understand you better right so if he's too young to understand what do you do then right so this is an important concept where if kids don't understand all the words or don't understand all the reasonings but they do understand the emotions we express and sometimes we dominate their emotions with our emotions to get them to act the right way, right? Like if they're upset or angry about something that's not important, then we get more angry to stop their anger. And uh, that's wrong. We should not do that. Um, we should not use our passions to override our kids' passions because they don't listen to reason or they don't understand the big words that we're using or they don't understand the big concepts that they have to come to temple to learn about this thing and you have to make a good, a good habit and that will help you 20 years down the line. You know, they don't understand. You're right. But to override their emotions with our own is wrong and we should not do that.
How should we do that? <laughs> I think we have to let the emotions pass instead of dominating their emotions. We have to help them understand that they will pass. And instead of getting more angry than they are, we can practice the power of silence ourselves. We can practice the power of being calm ourselves because they don't know it's going to pass, but we know it's going to pass in five minutes when they get distracted by something else, right? Um, so that's how we should learn to manage our children's emotions without dominating them with our own. I think uh, one additional point I would like to make is we always look down upon them, but as Timira has said in previous classes, their age of their soul and our soul is the same. That has really changed the mindset for me. That really helps. It's hard, right? When you look at your kid, they talk in a high voice, they're small, they're uh, diminutive, they couldn't last one second out in the real world, right? But the age of their soul is the same as your soul. And if you understand that and you talk to them as if you're equals, then that helps. What about you show the passion but don't have the passion? No. Sometimes they say, you show the anger but you're not angry. Then you're lying. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to other people. I understand where you're coming from because I've done this. I wasn't angry with my kids, but I pretended I was angry to get them to be quiet. I wasn't really angry. Okay, I've done that, but that's wrong. And I was wrong for doing that. And if you do that, you're wrong and you're uh, bringing more karma to your soul. Hey, come on in. Hello. I'm not in this meeting. <laughs> That's okay. Come on in. We welcome We welcome you. Thank you. I'm Timer. Timer Chera. Timer Chera. How are you, sir? Good. How about you? I'm doing very good, Manuram Chidilipai Kapasi. I know some of these people very, very well. Come on in. We're talking about the power of silence today. I have to I have to host some, oh. some somebody who's coming in the temple. Okay. So, please go. Okay. Thank Maybe you. next week then. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so how do you, um, uh, more ways that we can transgress this uh, non-lying vow. You give wrong advice about any matter and you mislead people. You make false accusations. You disclose confidential information that somebody told you. You slander somebody or you talk about the weakness of other people. You gossip. Uh, you commit perjury or forgery, including false accounts, documents, and carrying on false propaganda about others. You commit breach of trust or misappropriation of what is entrusted to you or any confidence. So can we say that this non-lying, that we're great people, uh, usually we just say, oh, non-lying, I got that covered, I don't lie. But given everything we talked about today, uh, don't we have to work on this stuff? And remember, what are our four enemies? Anger, ego, deceit, and greed, right? Don't we lie? I mean, deceit is the big one, right? About with lying. But don't we lie for our ego purposes? Don't we lie for our greed purposes as well? It's a full one-fourth to three-fourths of fighting our passions, depending on how you count. So, if we are silent, then we will have no choice but to not lie. 
Isn't that the best way to not lie? Is if you're silent? Uh, in the lying, you know, if you know the person is doing something and you know that that's incorrect, but you keep silent, how do you consider is it? It depends what the result of that is. If the result of that is himsa, especially to other people, innocent people, then you should not keep silent. But if the result of that is nothing, then you should keep silent because you don't want to get involved, you don't want to interfere with others, you don't want to hurt their feelings. So it depends on the result of what they're doing. How do you put diplomacy in this holy question? Hmm. Things when we talk, sometimes you have to deliver certain things with a diplomatic way, not truly one way or other way. How do you put that in here? I think it is good to be diplomatic, but we should ask ourselves, do we have to say anything in the first place? So a lot of times we try to teach our kids, oh, think about what you say before you say it. And you know, we have that saying in work, right? Oh, this meeting could have been an email, right? Well, guess what? This expression, whatever statement you just uttered, it could have been silence. <laughs> and would it have been better to have been silence? Right? We have to strengthen that gatekeeper, just like we tell our children. Oh, there's a little person in your mind that just lets thoughts through to your mouth. Well, we have to make sure that person is really strong ourselves, too. And we have to really examine. And, and that's the thing. A lot of times we don't examine our thoughts and we don't examine what we're going to say because we're in a rush and because we don't give... I'm guilty of it, too. I don't realize how my wife will perceive things after I say them. And I was like, I should could have said that better, right? And then, but I have to realize like, I could have not said that at all. And it would have been better. Your wife will usually perceive something if you don't say anything at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tricky one. Back to diplomacy, but. <laughs> diplomacy is silently be the dishes. Yes. <laughs> Make sure she's watching. Mm. So more ways we can um, transgress our non-lying vow. So, yeah. Uh, so, but since most of us work in corporate world, right? Mm -hmm. There are times like he said, you have to deliver something to your colleagues, your teammates, or your team members, and all. How do you handle that? Because end of the year. There are certain things you have to say, right? Which is gonna, you know, which gonna hurt. Sometimes you're forced to say certain things. Mm -hmm. uh, the things you do for the work, even though you don't have intention of hurting, uh, how does that work? So it's actually easier for work than for our family because we can deliver things dispassionately at work. And I'm not saying not to do that. I'm not saying you be quiet at work. I'm saying, um, understand the power of silence. I'm saying most of us do not understand the power of silence. And, but that includes some things that work too. Sometimes you have to let people make their own mistakes. And if it's not, you have to let people learn their own lessons, right? And uh, it's easier not to hurt somebody's feelings at work because you're going towards a common goal. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to work with people that don't understand that. And it's... Uh, if you like, we can talk about how to deal with those kinds of people. But 
I'm not saying that you have to be a monk at work. So there's a certain amount of nuance here, right? I'm trying to stimulate your mind to see how you can apply this to your life. As usual, I'm not interested in just sitting around here and too often, as soon as we go, we're worried about lunch. Uh, the Jainism stays within these four walls. I'm not interested in any of that. I'm interested in you increasing the quality of your life based on what we talk about here. And so I'd like for you to examine your life and see how your life can get better if you think about staying silent. The work example is interesting because if you're managing somebody and you need to give them feedback, let's say they're terrible at some part of their job. So is it better to give them the harsh reality of what they're doing wrong in a diplomatic way or however you say it, but, but in, the, in the hopes that that can improve their performance or say, all's good, but you know, the guy's not going to last in this company long if he's doing that, right? So you're kind of keeping it under the, keeping silent, but you're not improving his life or his goals or his career, you know? Right. Uh, so the first thing to do, as everyone probably knows, is you do it one-on-one, -on -one, right? You don't do it in front of a group because you don't want to yeah. hurt the person's right. feelings. The second thing to do is you do do it dip diplomatically and you do it from a position of caring about the other person, right? You care about the other person. You don't want them to mess up. You say, hey, this is how we do things here in this company. I understand you want to do it this way, but here's the problem with that. And you don't make it about them but you, do, you don't make it about them as a person, but you make it about their actions, right? You want to um, have a conversation about what they're doing, not who they are as a person, right? And so I think if we focus on those things, then that helps. It seems like Mir wants to say something. saying one says not with all no one which explains the power of silence and the other one is meaning the one who says gets whatever they what, what they want or, or they can sell things and I, I think what you said earlier now I'm trying to clarify my mind I mean when, when you're saying something uh, with a passion or uh, what you think about is what is our goal and obviously, I think the, uh, the second one, the second saying, that applies to more of uh, a commercial world, if I may, uh, where we all live in, versus the first one is for our personal growth. And I, I think I'm more, more thinking like, this is, we should apply the first one as much as we can for our personal growth um, and, and to achieve our goal of books. Whereas the second one should be, as uh, you know, as a as a society, as we live in a society, is that does that make sense or? Absolutely, that's absolutely true. We have a saying here as well. It's called the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Mm. But guess what? You're your own grease. Nobody can give you grease. Nobody can do the work of your soul for you. It's only up to you to do the work of your soul. And so I think you're right. Um, I think that those kind of sayings have, are not applicable here. Rather, we should focus on the other sayings, which advance us along the spiritual path. So, so one uh, thing that, you know, when we are talking to someone, 
you tend to respond quickly and and it is difficult to evaluate whether it is better to silent be quiet or you know we'll just react mm-hmm. because you are in a conversation but where i think i have tried and and it's a baby step is uh, in written communication that's when you truly don't have to react quickly you have time to respond or not and typically if you sit on it for an hour or so your response changes from what you would have responded right uh, and and then also one of the things maybe it started as a selfish motive i would say but i would ask the question does it affect me right right i, I mean uh, at the end of the day i don't own the company right. right so i mean again it's a selfish thing probably but then the next step is does it hurt anybody right and and i think in written communication it is much easier because you truly have time and verbal you know someone will say and you tend to react you are not analyzing but at least you start with the written piece that's right and we should make our verbal conversations more like our written conversations mm-hmm. and that is we should have a uh, thought process uh, examine what we say before we say it and that's the interesting thing because conversations aren't about waiting to talk okay that's not what a conversation is but too often that's what we find our conversations being okay and to explore that we have to ask ourselves what is the relationship between thinking and talking if i'm having a conversation with you and it's going to the answer is going to be different for everybody because it depends on how fast your mind works and what you think about if i'm talking with you okay am i thinking about what to say next am i thinking about your words am i thinking about um and that relates to what is the point of this conversation which relates to do we what kind of setting do we find ourselves in right so if we're at work it's probably more a conversation is like an information exchange and i'm thinking about a problem but if we're in a social setting a conversation what is the point of the conversation the conversation is about passing the time maybe you know and so really when you're in a conversation and this is about mindfulness right think about whether you're just waiting to talk you're just listening to that person you're thinking about something totally different you could be like spacing out during a conversation right somebody talks a lot and it doesn't require input from you it requires an occasional okay oh i can't believe that happened or you may be thinking about what you're having for dinner that night or whatever and so one great question you can ask yourself is what is the relationship between thinking and talking when you're talking to somebody what are you thinking about and i think you'll learn a lot about yourself if you do that i'll give you a good test hey come on in we're talking about the power of silence today i'll give you guys a good test uh that is the next time you're in the car okay don't listen to your podcast don't listen to the radio okay don't do any of that okay just have it be silent okay if you cannot handle that then this is for you okay if you cannot not do something when you're driving the car if you cannot not listen to the radio or you know put some music on on your phone or something like that then you really need to understand this power of silence okay if you can do that great you're doing pretty good questions or comments about anything we talked about 
I started doing that couple of uh, maybe maybe two three years during COVID time, mm-hmm. not listening to anything. Got so much work done because all these thoughts came in. <laughs> like I remembered now what to do now. Right. Because not that fifteen twenty minutes you just listen to NPR or, or radio or whatever. And right. You're not there, right? But if you're in complete silence, you remember. Same thing like <clears throat> meditation. Right. Amazing. You right. Yeah. You, all the thoughts come in. I have not been out of that of stopping the thoughts. The thoughts come in. Start writing it down. Mm-hmm. See, you you don't listen to radio anything while driving. That's why you're telling. I'm telling you that's a good test. If you need to understand, if you need to think about whether you need to implement more silence in your life, a good test is to try to drive without anything going on. What the thoughts are there? You know, you can't stop. So many thoughts come. That's you right. Looking, but then other thoughts will come. You know. That's right. And <laughs> so, so, and so, see, when, when I do the meditation, thoughts, thoughts, thoughts come. <laughs> right. Exactly. And the purpose of meditation is to understand that you are not your thoughts. That is, thoughts come to your conscious mind from your con- subconscious, and you have no control over that. Mm-hmm. But you do have control over which thoughts you pay attention to. That is, you can let thoughts go without thinking them. We have a question from online. Uh, let's see. Oh, Neil. Speaking of mindfulness, I started using the Smiling Mind app this past week. We discussed last week. That's great. Thank you, Neil. Uh, last week, we discussed an app, and Neil started using it, so that's great. Right, so the purpose of meditation is to realize you are not your thoughts. Yeah, and you don't have to think them. Rather, you can let them go. And that way, if you're... Because sometimes if you... You might convince yourself that, oh, I get bored in the car. That's why I need the radio. But guess what? You're actually a little bit afraid of your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. If you cannot sit in silence, you're afraid of your own thoughts. And it, you're actually, you may not realize it, but you're scared to be alone with your thoughts because you don't have control over them because you realize that they enslave you. Okay? And so once you realize that your thoughts enslave you, your quality of life will go way up. Exactly. Great point. The point, uh, great point, Bhavesh. The point was, that's the same reason we keep ourselves busy. Because we think that, oh, we get bored or we get lonely, but we're actually secretly afraid of being alone. And we say, oh, we're being productive, but we're actually secretly afraid of being still. Right? We want to keep ourselves always doing something and always moving on to the next thing. And we... That's a rationalization that we use uh, to feel better about ourselves. Like, oh, look at how much stuff I'm getting done. Well, guess what? You got zero done on your soul, and that's the whole point of your life. <laughs> right? So they say, if you're alone and you're bored, you're in a bad company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And so, a, lot of, a lot of people recommend meditation. And 
I cannot get over the hump of sitting there doing nothing for We have very good classes on this podcast. You may want yeah. to listen to them. Yeah, really? Yeah. We have some... Uh, on meditation? Oh, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> it reminds me of a statement of Sadhguru said the same thing. A question about something related. It said, do you like your own company? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so when you sit down, the meditation is hard because it's the hardest at the very beginning. And once you start reaping the, a few benefits, you'll realize how much better your life is. The purpose of meditation is not to not think. That is, uh, I think, a misconception. The purpose is to realize, at first, there's lots of purposes, but the first realization you'll have, and the best one, is that thoughts come unbidden to you from your subconscious. And you don't have to think about them. You can let them go. And that's why we always, everybody always starts with the breath. Think about the breath. Because that's one way to let go of the thought that just came to you, is to focus on your breath. And then the first realization you have is that there are thoughts and there is awareness. And that's two different things. And your awareness can choose to focus itself on a thought or not. Okay? And that awareness is your soul. And the thoughts are from your brain, which is your body. And you're not your body. You're your soul. And your soul provides that awareness. Um, so hopefully that helps with the meditation part. Okay, taking a step away from Jainism, what kind of quality of life improvements can you expect if you learn to be more silent in your life? It helps you live consciously. It puts you in touch with your body and emotions. This is something I didn't learn until about maybe 10 years ago because it never happened to me. People have emotions and they don't know why. Now, you may laugh and think, well, that happens all the time to me. But that has never happened to me in my whole life. And I only really understood when I started a family and when I got married, when I, when I had kids, like people have emotions and they don't know why. They don't know why they're feeling what they're feeling. And if that describes you sometimes, you say, like, I'm feeling bad. I don't know why. I'm feeling happy. I don't know why. And I related to people a lot better once I understood that. Once I understood that I was totally different from normal people. Uh, I always know. And this is not to brag because I'm telling you this is a problem with me. Uh, this is a defect that I had. I always know why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. There's never been an instance in my life where I felt something and I didn't know why. It, it's as strange, to, as strange to me as if you say, I have a pain and I don't know why. Like, well, you have a pain because you got a cut right there. Like, <laughs> you know, but once I realized this, so if you find yourself in that situation, <clears throat> uh, silence will help you because it will allow you to connect emotions with either actions that happen to you or some mental process that you were experiencing that led rise to that emotion. So this will help you. Neil says, we often multitask while driving due to lack of time. Yes, it's hard to implement silent in the car. Yes, I agree with all of that. <laughs> what else? It, silence can help you be more mindful and compassionate. Yes, it can. It can enhance conversations. We talked about that. By choosing silence, you'll naturally listen more. And if you listen more, you'll have better relationships because people love people that listen. 
It's a tool for increased emotional regulation. Silence can be the space between a feeling and a response. So if you don't want to speak from passion, if you don't want to speak from your feelings, you implement silence before you respond to somebody and you make conversations more like emails where the content of your speech is examined based on the social setting or the goal of the conversation or the person you're talking to. Silence can be used to emphasize a point. The fewer words you say, the more they matter. Silence can be used as a negotiating tactic. If, you, if somebody proposes a price for something or a salary for something and you're quiet, that can increase your position in negotiations. We're talking about non-James and stuff now. Silence can empower others. If you're a leader at work, when you propose a new project, if you let other people share their thoughts about with you, you'll be a better leader, you'll empower them, and it can be used to empower other people, especially if you're in a position of authority at work. Silence can help you get an answer to a question you're having. Many people are guilty of asking a question and not stopping at the question mark. Okay? Whenever you hit a question mark in the conversation, stop talking. Don't keep talking. <laughs> Don't be like, Hi, what's your name? My name is blah, blah, blah. I work at blah, blah, blah. You, stop, you forgot the question mark there. <laughs> what's your name? And then you stop talking. <laughs> silence can be used to center yourself. You can take time out of your day to be silent, and that can help you recenter yourself, especially when you're at work or if something you know really exciting or something really bad happened at work. You can take a moment to um, reset. Silence can improve your memory. Silence can relieve stress because if you're stressed out and you, well, sometimes with some people it increases their stress because they can't not listen to the radio while they're in their car. And that's a big problem. So if you, if you can't be quiet with yourself, then you really need to kind of uh, work on what we've been talking about. Silence awakens awareness. It quiets your monkey mind because your brain is constantly delivering an endless stream of thoughts to you, trying to get you to think about them because that's its job. And you have to be con in control of your brain. Don't let your brain control you. No, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. We're testing our silence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So questions or comment about anything we talked about? On a funny note, try, try silence in a car when your wife is with you. Right. By the time you get up, you won't be silent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, there are two, two aspects of being silent. One is silence of not speaking, right? As silent. And the other one is mind being silent. Uh, because, like for example, you know, if if you're not saying anything, but internally you're going up and saying that, you know, with your with your talk, like you know, this person should suffer or whatever it is uh, in your mind. So, I guess how to handle both, not only just the 
not speaking is what I'm wondering. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The concept of silence applies to both. The reason we're talking about it in terms of speech in this class is because we're talking about, um, we always say man vachankaya, right? Mind, actions, and speech, right? So you're talking about, when you say silence of the mind, you're talking about reducing our mental violence, right? And I haven't been covering that because I thought that this class would be about um, uh, satya or truthfulness or non-lying, right? I thought that this class would be about uh, how we improve the quality of our life through reducing our speech that are coming out of our mouth. But you're right. It also applies to mental violence. And that may be a good example, good topic for another class. What, one thing I've seen is for the mental silence, the first step is the speaking silence. It, it's like you, you, you talk less, that means it gives your thoughts to come out. And then at some point your thoughts will start going down and you'll get the silence. Once you achieve that, then you can disconnect your mental silence or versus what you're talking about. Right. So it's like a, you have to go through that phase to go reach the right. other phase. Right. And that's what we were talking about. What is the relationship between thinking and talking? Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit different for everybody. But once you understand it about yourself, you can really, uh, your quality of life is going to go way up. So, just like um, when we go on a diet, the first thing people ask you to do is write down what you eat, you know? And even if you don't change your eating habits, it's worth it to just write it down. There is a value in that exercise. So, if you want to incorporate more silence in your life, write down everything you talk about at the end of the day. Write down every conversation you had. And if you're like, wait, Timir, I could never do that. Well, then you're talking too much if you're doing that. It should be like, I had a conversation with my wife in the morning. I had a conversation with my kids at lunch. Um, we talked about some things at work and we talked about some things at dinner. And that's it. You know, if it's going more than that, you're talking too much. Okay? And you need to try to rein it in. Okay? And see if that increases the quality of your life. If you can't write down every conversation you had, it's just too much. Next, we can <clears throat> try a vow of silence. And it can be as long or as short as you want it to be. And you can inform your family ahead of time. Say, I want to try this thing. Let's not talk for an hour. Or I'm not going to talk for an hour. <laughs> See how that works, you know? And they'll be on board. You know, you might think that they won't be, but they will be. Uh, and, you know, they might like it too. They might want to try it too. And it's interesting because once you have removed that option from your life for however many hours or however many minutes you want, your perception changes, right? If you just remove that from your life. It's like if you put a blindfold on, your perception changes. Well, it's like a kind of a blindfold for your mouth, right? Your perception changes and your thinking changes. And if you want to get out of whatever rut you're stuck in, there's no better way to do it than to change. Questions or comments about that? So when we talk about this silence, it's a silence without doing any activity, right? It's not like I'm not going to talk, but I'm going to do 
continue doing this or that. Watch TV or... Watch TV or <laughs> it's both. Okay, it's both. So you should try both. It doesn't really count if you say, I'm going to not talk for an hour and you watch TV for an hour. You're right. That doesn't count. Because you're not... You wouldn't have talked anyway. Right? So you're not changing your perception. You're not increasing the quality of your life. Right? So it's both. So you can try taking a vow of silence for a couple of hours and just do your normal day. Or you could try taking a vow of silence for 15 minutes and not do anything. Uh, whatever you're comfortable with doing, I encourage you to do. Okay, Neil says, There's a book called The Desert Fathers, which is about an early society. That has adopted silence. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's great. I would like to explore that book. It's called The Desert Fathers. So, yeah, so presumably the author has done this thought exercise of what would a society be like if it was silent. And maybe it would be better or maybe it would be worse. We have to read the book to find out. Mm -hmm. Question. Uh, should verbal silence include digital silence? Absolutely. It doesn't count. It doesn't count if you're texting people on your phone. You're right. You're right. I'm silent. Yeah, you're right. It, it should count... Uh, communicating with people. So how do we teach our kids about this? How do we teach our, you know, we spend so long trying to teach them to talk, we have to spend the rest of their lives trying to teach them to be quiet. How do we teach our kids about the power of silence and how their quality of life can be improved with the quality of silence, the power of silence? We haven't tried this at home, you know, every time longer drive, when we go for a long drive, used to go on the phone and all that. Uh, we do implement this from the next 30 minutes, nobody talks. Uh, just observe outside. Uh -huh. We're not saying self-evaluation or anything. We just say, just watch outside what you're, what, where we are going for. Uh -huh. And nobody talks. That's the most important thing. Otherwise, one will pull something and talk and this and that. So we do that for the longer drive. We haven't done it at home. Right. And that, that does help. It calms down the situation. And then right. that, once they start talking, they talk some sense. Not a silliness. They, yeah. they, they have some other type of discussion. So. Yeah, things can be tense in the car because you can't walk away from it. So, <laughs> right. right. You're stuck with the people in the car. And that brings up a great point is that uh, people say one of the evils of the phone <coughs> and being perpetually distracted is that we're losing a certain amount of creativity because we don't experience profound boredom anymore. That is... I think everybody here is old enough to know what it's like to be really bored, right? Like really, really bored that forces you to become creative with a game you play or something you think about or a world you build inside of your mind. Uh, children don't do that anymore because they're never kind of profoundly bored anymore. Um, and so that's one, uh, just one more strike against the evil. That's the phone. Um, yeah. That's great. I think um, implementing a certain amount of quiet time. I know Kinjal has said um, multiple times that his children have benefited from minutes of quiet time. Hey, let's do quiet time for two minutes. Let's do quiet time for three minutes. And then you reinforce that by saying, well, how do you feel now? Isn't it a lot different from when you were, what you were feeling earlier? And so uh, I think that's a good way. Other ways that we can teach our kids about the power of silence. 
<clears throat> same thing I tell him I have 11 year old and this guy wants to talk and I have 5 year old who wants to talk over 11 years <laughs> so tell them hold your thoughts let's give 30 second break now we will and then they would have been talked maybe for 5 minutes then our conversation is maybe 30 seconds or 20 seconds because they have combined the entire thought and they have figured it out that I'm just blabbering and not yeah. really making any sense out of it. Yeah, they turn their thoughts into an email. <clears throat> right. <laughs> right. It doesn't work all the time, but it... Mm. Sure. And so you actually are that person between their brain and their mouth, right? And that's what we have to do. We have to be that person until they can strengthen that person, that gatekeeper between their brain and their mouth. And then sometimes I just let them talk. Yeah. <laughs> just talk. <laughs> Questions or comments about anything we talked about today? Now, uh, it's great if you can accomplish verbal and digital silence, but depending on the age of the children, if they are not little ones, but they are you know, somewhat grown up uh, with their iPhones and digital media next to them, you know, it's difficult if you are in a car or a home and there is 100% verbal silence, they'll be hooked up to their iPhones. Right. So I think, relatively speaking, it's better time to really capture and communicate with them. Sometimes. <laughs> Does it make sense? Yeah. No. Absolutely. You're right. That is. But we have we have to... silent and they'll be you know busy with their phones. Right. I think the comment about the drive now is less about talking; it's more about everything off. And then also yeah, look yeah, outside no, no, because we, we a longer drive. That's what we have to you do too, right? You're longer outside. Yeah, this next half hour, we're going to look at the countryside yeah. like we used to do when we drove. Correct. So, it's, so it was more you got to tell them to turn it off. Right? Yeah. <laughs> longer drive than actually yeah. just coming from home to here, just yes. be quiet. Yeah. It can be quiet, but yeah. But the digital thing is a problem. You do, you have to. If you're making that ask for a vowel silence, you're also asking for digital silence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very much. We, we go out for any kind of family event, we try not to have kids take their phones with them yes. too. So that can help mm -hmm. at least get engaged with people, talk and communicate rather than just be on your own. You know? Right. Right. And so now I'd like to get an update from me here. I'd like to get a, uh, as you guys know, me here has left the country uh, for Belgium, I think, right? Yes. Tell us about Belgium, how Belgium is, and what you've been up to. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to say something about the, the power when everybody was uh, mentioning about you know how to how to manage uh, the long drive in the car. Uh, well, one one question I have for Bowen is like, tell me how to uh, maintain that for for fifteen minutes. I have two sitting in the back. I ask for it, it happens to me. Uh, you know, I can't keep my silence or anger control when they when they get going after that. Right. So, yours are little ones, Mihir. Yours are not as old as mine, so you may have to start with five minutes. Yeah. So, if you have a clock in the car, you could be like, "Oh, when the clock hits this number, then we can start talking again." Or, yeah, how do you enforce the silence in the car? Mihir has a question. That is. How do we do this in practicality? Like, oh, it's quiet time for five minutes, and they talk anyway. Oh, you can actually give them a topic to think about for five minutes, and then let them speak. So they focus only on one item. Right. Give it like a little book report or, or some sort of thing that you want to talk about. <laughs> a, a mental report of yeah. this question. Think about this question, and then answer it yes. for me. 
something. That's great. That's a good idea. Or you maybe you could use a reward system. You know, if they're pretty young, you can have like um, a certain kind of reward for them if they're able to be quiet for five minutes in the car. That's not bad. But give us a give us a Belgium update. We want to know how things are going with you. So Belgium, I mean, you know, it's about, let's say we move here in September, or mid-August, September. We got to of our, uh, I guess, silence time, if you will. Because, you know, we had a lot of friends and a lot of engagements in Houston. And when you come down here, you're by yourself. You get some time. And honestly, sometimes you can be irritating. Like, okay, you know, why, why can't we go to Jet Center every Sunday and spend night or two over there? Uh, the, the other, other place uh, is public transportation. So, you know, one place we need to keep it quiet in a way is public transportation. And uh, we, we ride a lot in uh, the bus and the metro. Uh, this morning, uh, we were, it was about minus 50 degrees Celsius here, and uh, we went to a cricket practice uh, in the metro. So we were all out uh, outside walking on the streets and, and doing the cricket practice uh, or went to the cricket practice um, uh, in a cold weather. So yes, we have learned that uh, one can live their life in, uh, in uh, temperatures like this. <laughs> it, uh, it snowed this week for the first time. It doesn't snow as much in Brussels, but it snowed uh, for the first time maybe just enough to make snowballs. So kids had a blast uh, at the school uh, playing outside. Now, one thing about the school is no matter what the temperature is, under, un, unless they're in a thunderstorm, they play outside. If it's rain and cold and zero degrees, they play outside. Uh, every recess, uh, they have like two or three during the day, they have to go out. They are not allowed to be in the uh, and, and I think that's part of the reason they they want to be, uh, they want kids to experiment with nature. Uh, but public transportation, I, I think it's a big one. Uh, in terms of uh, living life, uh, the winters are pretty tough. I mean, we're experiencing it right now. I mean, the games are like what it's right now, uh, 6.15 and, you know, uh, the sunset at around 5, 5.30. Uh, so... That is the other piece, but amazing, amazing, amazing exposure here so far for the kids, for us, and uh, there's a very nice temple here at Um They have kids have kids do pachala as well. They have Sunday pachala, um, and uh, they have this day was a little bit differently than we do in uh, Houston, but uh, that is also uh, a great thing that happens here uh, in in Antwerp. And Brussels has a uh, good amount of Indian population, mainly IT. Uh, IT professionals from India supporting all the you know European Union or the banks or the uh, consulting companies who are uh, here. For more than that, I welcome you all to come visit us. Uh, we are here for a short time, so we would love to see you guys uh, come here and, uh, and visit us. That's great. Thank you so much for that update.
That's all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for donating an hour of your time to me. I really appreciate that. It's not something that I take for granted. And hopefully we are able to help you increase the quality of your life every week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.